we wanted to unpack a few things for you tonight that I think will help you. Now, I will tell you that, and I generally say this uh, pretty much every time I, I minister the word, uh, for starters, I don't have the preacher's anointing, okay? I'm not bishop, all right? That's just not me, okay? I don't stomp and run and all of that. I'm, that sometimes that anointing comes on me, but my heart and my passion really is to take what otherwise might be complicated systems and simplify them because I believe that sophistication is the enemy of knowledge. It's the enemy of simplicity. So I want to take something that might be complicated, sophisticated, bring it to where you and I live so that when you leave out of here tonight, you can actually put the Word of God to work in your life. Is that fair enough? Yes, now, I will tell you this as well, that um, years ago, I was driving north on I-35, and I was listening to the radio. It was early in the morning, so I was flipping through the channels, and most Christian channels are kind of hokey, so I don't listen to a lot of Christian channels. Uh, and so I, I dialed into a particular channel, and I heard a guy say these couple of things, and I, this is going to probably shock some of you, okay? I want to shock you for effect. But the gentleman I was listening to, here's, here were his words, and he was quoting, I believe, Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, one of the two. He said, question with boldness even the very existence of God. When I heard that, the first thought to my mind was, that's heresy. But he went on to say these words. He said, for if there is a God, now I'm paraphrasing here, okay, surely even he doesn't mind honest questioning and then he went on to say this the truth has no agenda right math doesn't lie two plus two is four it just is what it is right and sometimes the reason I bring this up is that sometimes we come to the scriptures with a preconception of what it really means and since I heard those those phrases and those words years ago I came to understand that there were things that I believe, Michelle, you could say this. In fact, finish the statement about incorrect, so forth and so on. Well, you, could also, you can always say that it's not always about you, and you're not incomplete, or you're not incorrect, but you are incomplete. So you've got it partly right. I mean, if you just stopped right there, you, it wouldn't be incorrect, but that's not all of it. And that's what we need to understand is the fullness of what, scripture says and what it teaches certainly so some of the things or most of what I believe I would tell you that I'm not incorrect but since I heard those two things I would say I'm certainly and I think you would agree with me if they were honest with one another we're certainly incomplete we don't know everything right I believe in divine healing as much as anyone does but I don't know everything about divine healing I don't know why some people get it, some people don't. I, I mean, I think I have some understanding of that, but certainly I don't know all of that, right? I believe it's, you know, there's a number of things about the Scripture I believe, and I believe I'm correct, but I don't believe I'm complete where that is concerned. So I challenge everything. I question everything. In fact, I keep a, a question journal on my phone, and I have hundreds of questions that I ask, and I try to go deeper in terms of 
Let's really flesh this out. Let's unpack this and let's dive down in there and see what we can't pull out of it to make a difference in our life. Is that fair enough for you guys? Well, so another way to say yeah. that too is we do what we know. We know what to do. We do what we know. When we know better, we do better. We do better. And the problem yeah. is a lot of times as Christians we'll become saved. We accept the Lord. This is awesome. We're now on the journey. And we stop there. So we're doing better, but we're not learning more to do even better than that. Does that make sense? So in our Christian journey, there's got to be progress. Just like in the natural, if you had a baby and you take him to the nursery, that's appropriate, right? Now, if you're dropping your (laughs) 12-year-old off in the infant room tonight, something's wrong. And as a Christian, where we're at, we do what we know to do. Mm -hmm. You've got a, a... piece of knowledge from the Lord, from the Word, but now that you don't stay there. Five years from now, you should be progressing and progressing and progressing, and that's part of what teaching and learning the Word is, is so that you can do better because you're going to know more. Amen. And I think that one of the easiest ways to accomplish that is to question, ask questions, all right, and ask yourself the right questions. I'll give you an example of something I think is erroneous that we've been told for years. And if I offend you, uh, you it's really not my intent. But if you came here tonight believing that you, if if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus, if you came here tonight believing that you're a sinner saved by grace, I'm here to tell you you're dead wrong. You used to be a sinner. Now you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you are now a saint who sins sometimes, right? Does that make sense? That's what I mean about challenging everything you hear, all right? And sometimes we just pick stuff up. I call these things sacred cows that we need to turn to beef jerky. How's that? Okay, so I'm gonna throw a bomb at you. And I know I'm going to kind of get some of you here. We've been told most of our Christian experience that it's not about us. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> Wrong. It's all about us. I want that to sink in. It's all about us. It's not only about us, right? But it is about us. You want me to prove that to you from Scripture? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Who said yes? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. That sounded like the voice of God back there. That. You know. <clears throat> all right. Now, I'm not going to turn to all of these Scriptures for sake of time, but in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, Jesus was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? And you know how he responded, right? He said the greatest commandment is what? Love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he went on to add a second commandment. Love your neighbor as what? You love yourself, right? Several things we could unpack from that scripture. Number one, you can't love anyone any more than you love yourself. You can only give what you have, right? 
The second thing I think is very apparent in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus assumes we all love ourselves. That's why I said, you love them like you love yourself. Well, my question was, how do people love themselves? With all of their hearts, all of their souls, all their minds, and all their strengths. But the truth of the matter is, there's a number of people that don't love themselves. Because they've fallen for the lie that it's not about you. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. It is about you. Now, when we talk about you, Michelle, and you can help me here, there's two yous I want to refer to. There's that you sitting here right now. And I'm not talking about the flesh or the body you. I'm talking more about the mind, the soulish you, with all of those thoughts, all those questions, all those concerns, all those doubts, all those questions, all those fears, all of that, that you. All right? You wonder, how do I fit into this? How do I fit into life? What's God's plan for my life? Who am I really? And then there's that other you. It's the you that I referred to Sunday morning if you were here and you heard me. It's the you that Jesus is going to introduce you to when you get to heaven. It's the you that he created you to be. So the issue then is how do we get from this you to that you? Now that you that I'm referring to so that you're not confused is who you are in Jesus and are you fulfilling his plan and purpose for your life? Now that you, it's all about that you. Okay? Secondly, I'd like to say this. In fact, Michelle, help me out here. I've been doing all the preaching. Well, you are the person you should never give up on. Okay, hold up. Hold, 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 hold. I talked about two yous. Who you, which one of these? The you that you were born to be. Say, so that say it version. again. You should never give up on you. You are the person you should never give up on. Not where you are now. I mean, how many in here have it all together do you see I don't see no. not not even one yeah the lights are kind of bright so we can't okay see that clearly. not even one person in here has it all together so it would be safe to say then that you're not yet the version the full version of who you were created by God to be don't give up on that person yeah and that's where we get stuck sometimes. Well, I've got this problem, I've got this temptation, I've got this hang-up, and I've got this addiction, and I've got this issue in my life. I'll never be that person. Don't give up on that. That's not what God says about you. Yeah. If there's anybody ever that you don't give up on, it's that person God created you to be. Yeah. Because that person exists. You remember, wow. pardon me, Michelle, but you remember years ago, I mean years ago, an author by the name of Tommy Tenney, he wrote the book, The God Chasers. Yes. You remember that? Yes. I'd like to write a book, The You Chaser. All right? Chasing that, that individual out there. The few, I'll refer to that you as the future you, the one God sees. All right? You right now, that present you, please 
For your sake, don't ever, ever give up on that you. You remember the parable of the 11th hour worker? Okay. You may, if, if you don't know the parable, the man hired some people at the beginning of the day, paid him $10 for the day. I'm making up those numbers. Comes along a few hours, hires a few more, pays them $10 for the remainder of the day. And finally, at the end of the day, the last hour of the day, he comes along and hires a few more and pays them the same $10 at the end of the day. Those that were hired at the beginning of the day were upset because they made 10 and these that were hired at the end of the day made 10. What I'm saying to you is that if you don't figure it out until you get into your last season of life, your senior season, (laughs) you still got there, all right? You still got there, all right? So don't ever get up or give up. You're going to get the same wage. So what you've got to do is remember, because you've got that person out there you're working towards, you've got to make the investment. And an investment has a return, but not necessarily immediately. And how do, how do we do that? I mean, the, for me, I need practical examples. I need something I can latch on to and use every day. Well, one of the ways that you can invest in yourself is in the Word. And so... A way to, I need practical things where I can look at. How many of y'all have a phone, cell phone? Okay. How many of you ever leave home without it? (laughs) I'm going back. And I don't know about you, but there's some different features on the screen that you can have. One that I have to have is the battery life. Does anybody else, are they a little obsessed with the battery life on their phone? I watch it. I'm constantly aware of how much battery life do I have left because I don't want to get caught somewhere, be needing to make an important phone call or be in the middle of one and my battery go dead. In fact, I'm so concerned about that that I've got a battery charger in my car. I've got one by my bedside. I've got one in the kitchen. I even have one at work at my desk just in case I need to charge. On the flip side of that, on the spiritual side, we have the same issue. How many of us get caught in a storm or at the midnight hour or in a season where we're desperate and we need that source and we have a dead battery? So what's the charge? The word. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is in the technology age we live in, You've got that word wherever you go. You've got an app on your phone. You can have one in your car. Everywhere you go, there's that opportunity to stay charged. And we'll say now we're coming into storm season. He'll always ask me if if we've got storms coming in later in the day, make sure your phone's charged. Make sure your phone's charged. Make sure your phone's fully charged. Fully charged. (laughs) All right. All right. And so that helps me think I can't go into life. Yeah. I'll go back home and get it if I need to. I've got to stay charged. That's the investment I'm making in who I am becoming that God ordained me to be. You know, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. So if I'm insulting your intelligence, please forgive me. But this is just how I function. I need it. I need it this way. Okay. We go through storms every day. And I venture to guess that the times you fail the test is when your spiritual battery was not fully charged, right? 
all right? And it's amazing that Slewfoot, you know, that knucklehead devil, he just has a keen way of knowing when your battery's low, <laughs> all right? All right? Uh, I'll say this in terms of making that investment in that you that we refer, we refer to. To do anything else or to do otherwise would be like waving at someone in the dark. They, will, they won't see you. Mm-hmm. The closer you get to becoming that you, the more spotlight is brought on you. Why? Because that's just the way the system works. All right? Somebody says, and, and I get this all the time when, when I talk about this, oh, Brother Murphy, you're just teaching that self-centeredness, selfishness, self-righteous, and you know, you just focusing, you're putting all the focus on you. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because John chapter 3, verse 16, every one of you could quote it, says this, for God so loved the world. You know what my beef with that verse is? I do have a beef. It's the word world. Because when I read the word world, it's so easy for me to think about you and them and the, you know, those people. So what I suggest you do is don't mark out the word world in that passage. Just but write your name above the word world. For God so loved Butch. Butch, are you in here tonight? Or did you leave me? Where you at, Butch? Nope. He's in here somewhere. I can feel him, right? Put your name in there. There you go, Butch. I see you over there. There you go, sir. For God so loved Kenny. For God so loved Bill. For God so loved Chief. You see what I'm saying? That he sent his only son... For me. So when you say this is selfishness, I say, no, God made it about me. I didn't make it about me. I was on my way to a devil's hell. I know you think I was raised in church and I've been one of them Christians all my life, but no, far from it. I just don't like to talk about that part of my life. I'm, I, I don't even want to testify about it, right? <clears throat> so he made it about me. I hope you're taking notes and you write this down. It's not about selfishness. It's about self-fitness. Self-fitness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Pat might not perish but have everlasting life. All right? And you know the, the thing I think about when we talk about self-fitness is, again, I like practical examples. When you think about fitness or weight loss or health in our lives, there's just not a prayer that we can pray over you or hands that someone can lay yeah. on you and you'll say amen and you look down and drop 50 pounds. <laughs> I wish there was that I wish anointing there were. but I, I had so, seen so it. <laughs> what has to happen is you can pray and then the onus is going to be yeah. on you yeah. I don't know if you've ever sat and watched an exercise video 
I have while I was eating chips. (laughs) And as great as it was and as much information as I saw there, until I applied it, I didn't get any benefit. And as much as we would love to lay hands on you and say a prayer over you, and you walk out of here tonight, that person God ordained you to be, and as much as we like to come to the altar and sing, I surrender all, the word puts the onus back on us. We've got to do the work to become what God ordained us to be. The awesome thing is God gave us the tools, which is the word. Yeah, yeah. And so I want to end with just two verses of Scripture. And see if, if Michelle and I can't give you a path or some, some steps, some, some practical things you could do consistently over time to start maybe making a course correction. You're not going to be there by Tuesday. I'm just telling you, it ain't, it's not going to happen. Right. All right? It's just not going to happen. But before I unpack those verses, I want to ask you this. And I need some responses here. When... Now, now, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, everlasting life there is the word zoe in Greek. And it means the God kind of life. The life that God has. We call that eternal life. When does eternal life begin? Okay, I've got the moment you believe. Most people think it begins the minute you die, right? The minute you exit the planet. I used to say that as well, my friend, that eternal life begins the moment a person accepts Jesus Christ. But even that's not true. You know when eternal life begins for you, sis? The moment you came into this earth, you're going to live forever. You're just going to live, if you like the heat, you can go to the hot place, right? I mean, we're going to live forever. But when does the God kind of life begin? Not just eternity, not just the quantity, but the quality of life. When does that begin? The moment you make the decision that hell will freeze over before I continue to live like this anymore. All right? So the two verses, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Again, you guys know this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Put your name in there, all right? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world. I might just read it this way. This is not what the verse is saying, but in terms of our subject matter tonight, don't remain conformed to the present you. Be transformed and become the you that God created you to be. You know what's amazing is that God doesn't treat you like this one. He actually treats you like this one. All right? Be transformed how? So that you may prove 
the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Yeah. These are not three wills of God like we've been taught. The will, God has one will. It's his perfect will. But his will is good, perfect, and acceptable. Those are descriptions of the will of God. Amen. Not three different wills. Well, God doesn't like it, but he'll, he'll permit you to do it. No, you permitted you to do it. And look what it got you in. And this word prove means to prove out. Yes. So when you renew your mind and you change the way you think, that's the first step. Start thinking like that guy. And I say guy, but that person. And think like this person. Philippians chapter 3 verse uh, 12, Paul said this, I press on that I may lay hold of that. That's probably for me the most important word in the verse. That I may take hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. So there's this that that I take hold of and he takes hold of that. Now, my question is, what's that? What's the that? Huh? It's something I'm pressing for, towards. Are you with me? The that is that person we're talking about. It really is about you. It really is about you. You remember I said Sunday morning that, that uh, when you get to heaven, I believe that Jesus is going to introduce me to that person. And if I'm being honest with you, I don't know that I will fully become that person. I want to. So I'm in no condemnation. I haven't arrived there. Uh, the average person meets 10,000 people over the course of their life. I know we're out of time. Give me five minutes, okay? Meets 10,000 people over the course of their life. This is really what I want you to take away. One out of 10,000 people ever meet themselves. I'll say this, it's not important who you remember, it's important who remembers you. Right. And ain't nobody, pardon my English here, ain't nobody give a lick about you, the present you. Right. They only care about the future you. Mm. Michelle, you, had, you, you and I were speaking earlier today and you talked about you know, we believe that there's a, what we call a prophetic parallel. Oftentimes we see what's going on in the world and it's just, a, it's just a parallel or an image of really what's happening in the church. I'm not talking about politics. Michelle, unpack what you had mentioned to me earlier today. Well, I was reminded, uh, Mark Twain, I believe, is the one that said the two yep. most important days in your life is the day you're born and the day you discover why yeah. 
you were born. And I was actually thinking about that on the way home today and nearly had to pull over because I got emotional. I saw <laughs> this. And like he said, there's a prophetic parallel. There's a mirror image in the world what's going on because you look out there and you're thinking, Lord, what, what is this? But then you look over and you see a mirror image in the church and you're like, that is what's going on. And so what came to my mind was, and this is a hot topic. We're not going to delve into the, the details, the details, <laughs> but just go with me here for a minute. Yeah. There is a huge problem in the world right now with identity crisis. Well, I was born this, but I identify as this. So therefore, God, you made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. And so I'm sitting here thinking about, well, Lord, oh, I see it. And in the church, in the spiritual side, we don't know who we are. We have not. We identify, Michelle, with this. So we say, well, I was, I identify as a prophet or, or, you know, I'm, I'm a prophet, but I identify as a janitor. And I'm not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just simply saying that, you know, I identify as an individual with the call of God on my life. I am that individual. That's what I was born to do. That's that person. That's who I really am. But I identify with this person. We call that an identity crisis. I don't care if you woke up this morning and thought you were a chicken. You're not a chicken. <laughs> all right? And just, just, just get over that, that nonsense, all right? Let me finish with this because it's, we're, we're out of time. I said at the beginning of this that it's, it is about us, but it's not only about us. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and even verse 3. I won't quote all of them, but I love this because this is really the point I want to drive home. John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Put your name in there, why don't you? that we would be called sons and daughters of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. be. But we know that when he appears, <laughs> we'll be like him. And at the end of the day, that future you, the more like you, you become, the more like him you will appear. So it really is about you, but at the end of the day, when you finally get over here and meet yourself, <laughs> you look like Jesus. Wow. That's, that's the whole point of this. Can we get an amen on that? Yeah. Can we get a better amen? Yeah. 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 Wow. Listen, we love you guys. We're not saying that we've arrived it's a lifelong journey. Paul said, I forget those things that lie behind and I press towards that, right? All right? Father, I thank you for your yes, people. Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I'm heartbroken that the vast majority of Christians haven't even figured this out. 
I'm even more heartbroken, Lord, that I didn't figure this out for most of my walk with you. And Father, I pray tonight that, as Michelle was saying, that we would recharge ourselves and keep ourselves fully charged by only saying what the Word of God says about me, renewing my mind to what you said about me. In Jesus' name. Now, I'll finish with this one last thing because a major detriment to this is when you start to compare yourselves with other people. I'm not bishop, and I'm okay with that. All right? I'm not you. I'm okay with that. I know my gift. I'm a teacher. I have the heart of a teacher, and I like to take complicated systems and simplify them. That's as simple as it gets for me. Outside of that, I'm not, I'm not a singer. I'm not any of that. You don't want me to be, nor do I want to be. Hey, listen, we love you guys. Please, please, don't forget Sunday morning we're going to have church. And I agree with Pastor. We're on the threshold of a crazy, if I could say it that way, move of the Holy Ghost. I believe God's doing something in the nation. And I do think and this is the a church. key to revival yep. coming, is yep. when, we, when we finally understand our identity in Christ. Because when we understand who we are in Christ, then we're going to be able to be the light to shine, to draw other people. The, the world needs God. I don't want anybody going to hell on my watch. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to get this right. So mm-hmm. I, we would encourage you, begin to study that. What does, who does the Bible say I yeah. am? What does the word say I am to become? And when you begin to feed on that and charge on that, Mm -hmm. you're going to become faster who you were meant to be. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we love you guys. Thank you so much for spending time with us in the word tonight. All right. God bless you guys.